on the Dallas Opera Network. You're listening to Opera Box Score. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Wherever you are, however you're listening, it's America's talk radio show about opera. It's Opera Box Score. I'm your host, George Cedarquist, joined this week by Oliver Camacho, Matt Cummings, and Weston Williams. All right, Chicago is on the clock. It's the return of our fantasy Fachball segment as the OBS crew do a real-time opera singer mock draft to cast the perfect quartet for Aida, plus two-minute drill. Tomasini finally hanging up his cleats. And the Met is turning the page on the Lepage ring cycle. <laughs> Look, if you're watching on TDO, by the way, you want to subscribe to the podcast. You can do that on Stitcher Radio. You can just favorite the show on Apple Podcasts as well. This is going to come back later in the episode. I'm going to let you know right now. You want to email us your hot takes, operaboxscore@gmail.com. Drop us a line. Get an OBS beer coaster and an OBS lapel pen just for sharing your own hot take. Mm. Actually, listener mailbag, we had something already this week. So uh, you know who you are. Can you get that OBS merch? Oliver Camacho, great to see you. So now we're bribing our listeners for engagement. <laughs> That's, That's exactly it right. Works. Okay. It only took That's us seven maybe. seasons to figure out what that is, apparently. <laughs> Matt Cummings, how are you? Is it seven seasons or the seventh anniversary of the first? Oh, don't get me started on that from the pre-show meeting. <laughs> Weston Williams, there he is. Love those headphones. Ah, uh, why? Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. I've uh, I got out my uh, sort of collared shirt and I've got my like a uh, checkered houndstooth and I'm I'm really feeling the roll tide today, George. You I need feel to very put, powerful. You need to put that in the wash, young man. <laughs> I just I'm back in the uh, in the studio here. No cats, no children, no furnaces, no wood paneling. If you're watching. Just good old stuff hey guess what the chicago red stars of the national women's soccer league they are in the final against washington that is going to be saturday november 20 live on cps i will be watching on that. cbs cps is chicago public it's schools. not chicago public schools <laughs> yes. chicago public schools will be reenacting the show in the i said my children. kids would not appear on this show <laughs> already let's talk some opera Chalk Talk on Opera Box Score. All right, so here at the OBS, we're still celebrating our fantasy football win over Lawrence Brownlee in Opera Philadelphia's hashtag Opera on the Ball League. Sweet, sweet victory. So, look, we figured we would push the fantasy fachball envelope a little further and come up with a dream team roster for the cast of a classic opera title, Verdi's Aida. Here's how it works. Oliver. Matt and Weston each are going to uh, pick a singer for the four main roles in the show. Here's the catch. The following four parameters need to be filled across your fantasy fachball team. So one player, that is singer, needs to be American, one European, one making their role debut. That was tricky, I bet. And one needs to be currently active. Our team's going to put forward their nominations. We're going to get those up on the OBS website. And then we ask you, our listeners, to put together your best team. And, of course, you have to give it a dreadfully pun-y name. Again, gmail.com. Get that merch by sharing your hot take. When we do a draft, we always start with the worst record first. And that, of course, is going to be Weston. 
How can it not be? <laughs> okay, rude. <laughs> of course, not even a question. <laughs> the first role that I need your selections for is that of Aida's lover, Radames. So, Weston, who's it going to be and why? So, um, I mean, obviously, I, wish, I should point out, I think uh, you haven't mentioned this yet, that uh, we don't actually know what everyone else is picking. So much like the real draft, we can't both have the same person on the team. So um, um, some of my picks are a little bit more off the wall, I think. But I do go <laughs> just a little bit. But since I'm going first, because I'm apparently bad at this, uh, I think I can uh, come in strong with my prop, one of my less controversial takes, I think. Uh, because I would love the role of Radames to be done by Russell Thomas. Uh, because, uh, he was, I, I, when I was thinking about like who, who like the ideal, like working sort of Verity tenor is, uh, I just like, I couldn't get him out of my head. Uh, the very, uh, the first time I saw him, uh, was, uh, oh gosh, it was several years ago now, but I saw him, uh, in, uh, Trovatore as, um, uh, Manrico and it just felt so natural in his voice that I, that I was like this is what a verity tenor should sound like you know he's got that really sort of solid presence uh he's uh especially for Radames, he he, does, he doesn't have quite as much to do as say uh, Aida or uh, Amneris dramatically, but he's got to be there and he's got to hold the entire ship steady. He's sort of the, uh, the the quarterback of the team, I think, is the metaphor that I think is accurate for him. Uh, and I think that uh, even though he has really only just started this role, I think he just did his first Radames like like three or four months ago. Like Houston I was, Grand uh, Opera. There's one in Houston yeah, and yeah, there's an yeah. upcoming one in L.A. Yeah, and uh, there's no recordings of him yet that I could find on the internet, but um, I I do think that when I eventually do hear him sing that, I think I'm gonna like love it as much as I did the first time. So my pick for Radames is Russell Thomas, who is American, but not his role debut. So I've got one check mark so far. Russell Thomas off the board and on to the roster here. Moving over to Oliver, your pick for Radames. Okay, I'm going to knock out American and making role debut in one fell swoop. This is going to be a few years away, maybe like 10 oh years from God, now. If you steal mine, I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> None other than friend of the show, Charles Castronovo. 
Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I was so smart coming up with that one. Who we know he has the tone. He doesn't yet have the power in his voice, but it's coming. We hear that it's coming. Right, right. And man, oh man, will he look good in that breastplate and those <laughs> what do you call those skirts that they wear that the men wear like they just call, they're called we'll just no. call them skirts. skirts i remember we had this exact conversation yeah, like two did. years we, ago yeah. where you could not remember what this thing was called and then you finally don't found have, it and none of us knew what it was we don't have 37 <laughs> minutes for me to go down another wikipedia <laughs> rabbit hole finding out the name of that okay. piece of armor we don't even so. have two minutes in the real nfl draft they limit every team to two minutes and i'm gonna limit all of you tonight otherwise we'll be here till 3 a.m <laughs> Oliver picks Charles Castronovo stealing it from Matt Cummings. I love Amazing. that sense of competition. Oh, I, I think it's called a, a Paturgis. Paturgis. Oh, That's what it was. Okay. It only took him three minutes this time. So, given that my attempted triple crown has been purloined, what do you mean triple crown? What did I miss something? American active and debut. Oh, um, good. So I I knocked out three and one. Awesome. Thank you for that. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go with my um my all time favorite Radam is, which is the one and only Carlo Pagonzi. Oh, that burnished on tone, my list too. the phrasing, the dynamic range that he can display doing that incredibly um virile, demanding music is just unparalleled. So say. the funny thing is that of the three singers who are chosen here russell thomas would seem to have like the biggest voice of these three singers but carlo bergonzi is the one who proves who's proven he can do it and mm. do it with the best i mean the carlo bergonzi live aida with um Mar- with martina arroyo is that who he's with is with uh is no it? it's it's price, price and and grace oh uh, uh, that is it's like the, one of the best yeah it's probably the best one out there if you can yeah. hunt it down the first round for Radames is in the books. Thomas Castronovo Bogonze. We move straight into round two. Oliver, you're going to get to go first to make things a little more fair. Oh. We're casting the role of Amneris. This is Aida's villain, nemesis. Call her what you will. Okay, Amneris. well now, the only thing I need left in my roster to to complete, to get, to to get all of the... <laughs> The to parameters. lock in the points. Yeah. He's just cramming them all in the two people. Uh, uh, I'm going to go with a favorite here. It's going to be Rita Gore, uh, the Belgian. Well, she was really a soprano, but she sang this role. And never has it sounded more feminine than in her voice. She was able to bring the power to the most dramatic moments. But in the tender moments with uh, Amneris by herself, and then especially in the final scene where she, you know, basically curses herself for what she's done i've never heard it sung more like devastatingly sad uh and yeah it's one of my favorite performances of this of this opera so of, of this role rita gore <laughs> Oh, 
I know who I, I, I could have stolen one from Matt, but oh. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> that was very generous of you. The, yeah. the NFL teams are never that generous. Great. <laughs> we'll let you have this one. Matt, we will move on to you again to keep things fair and moving here. Matt Cummings, your choice for Amneris. And I got to say, quite an embarrassment of riches in terms of options for an Amneris. But if we're talking about this dream cast, I'm going to assume that there's a full recording of Aida being made, which means that this is the only chance to create a full recording. Oliver knows where I'm going already. Of a full recording of the Amneris, of the one and the only Shirley Barrett. Yes. <laughs> I I mean, that is, I really wanted to pick her, but I, I already have Americans in other categories, so. And you knew that uh, Matt would snatch her up immediately. Yeah. Well, I mean, I got I got Cash away from him, so. It's <laughs> true. He's making it hard. He's making sure. it hard on me. Shirley Verrett is on the board now, too. Not an option for Weston, who's going to wrap up round two of the draft for Amneris. Yeah, so Amneris is always, whenever I see Aida, Amneris is always my favorite part of the opera by like a country mile. Uh, and I, I think that the reason for that is because she's she's so, uh, she's, she can be very petty if she's played too broadly, but she's such an interesting and deep character if you do her right. So I was thinking, what would be a nice sort of wild card role debut that no one else is going to have on the board? And my... <laughs> my mind went to an interesting place. I think it, I, I think that she's probably not going to ever do this role, um, uh, or if she will, it won't be for a long time. But I think that I would love to see Joyce DiDonato's take on Amneris. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that <laughs> – think about it for a second. Like, she's she's got, like, such a dramatic presence to her, right? You know? Yeah. She, she, her voice would be uh, not the voice you would typically cast for this. She's got a no. A very it's closer fast... to the Elton John Amneris, <laughs> <Yeah>, exactly. <laughs> but but I think that she's got like a certain like cutting quality to everything that she did. I'm thinking like maybe like a a pared down orchestra, a really edgy sort of like Euro trash production, and she just comes out there and she like can throw in some of her own ornaments. Like she can do whatever she wants. <laughs> Donato. I think that would be a baroque. <laughs> that would be a production I would pay unlimited okay. amounts of money to let see. Me, let me just say, and then you you got the world debut there for sure. But um, <laughs> let me just say that I'm a fan of Joyce Donato. Oh, oh yeah, same yeah, here, yeah. same here. Yeah, when she sang um, Adalgisa, Adalgisa with Sandra Radvanovsky uh, in the Met HD broadcast of Norma, she had to modify her tone so that she would sound like something next to Sandra Rabinowski. Right. She she poured in so much air into her voice that her phrase lengths were surprisingly short. And she's known to be able to like really control her breath and do fun, long phrases and whatnot. And also to do some finesse. But that was one of the performances where I thought, wow, she's really singing really hard here right now. And I, she just had to because that music requires the voices to have a blend. And yeah, um, yeah. it's not a huge orchestra for Norma, but it's just. Uh, but it is from Sandra. Yeah. <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> so um, singing over the Verdi Aida Orchestra, um, being in those big choral scenes, yeah. uh, like, I'm not sure if we're going to 
I mean, maybe but she'll think, just think like, about like period instruments. Like, period instruments take off some of the edge of the brass, <laughs> pare down the strings a little period bit. You're good to go. George well, Schulte but, will not be conducting her. Yeah. No, well, no, no. Nicholas no, Harnoncourt did. Not. Nicholas Harnoncourt yeah, did yeah, exactly. a, a period uh, Aida, uh, and it lightens but, everything up quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. We are halfway through the <laughs> fantasy fuckball draft here, putting together a dream team selection for Verdi's Aida. You know, this all reminds me of when I was at Pittsburgh Opera, we did Aida, and I was the assistant director, and it's it's an overwhelming show. It's not the hardest show in the rep, but it's definitely overwhelming, and the triumphal march, of course. We, Were you we in charge the, of the elephant? Well, we did We did have a, we had a, a python and, uh, and a falcon. I will well. say a, a python and a falcon are both animals not known for marching, especially. But, so that's <laughs> a very triumph. bold choice. And then, of course, we had some supernumeraries who did the old trick of, like, exiting downstage left and taking off a helmet and, like, grabbing a spear and coming on from upstage left. So And then just, like, walking <laughs> around on stage. But this is I the thing I really Rascals. remember. Is it, this was kind of genius, actually, was that um, they they – got local Pittsburgh sports legends to take part in the parade. And they weren't the last thing. Obviously, Red MS is the last thing in the parade. But it was folks like um, uh, Charlie Batch, the old oh, Pittsburgh yeah. quarterback. Oh, sure. Amazing. Fan. So I got and some, some Pittsburgh Penguins hockey players. I remember meeting these guys. And, of course, it's the idea. I had to tell them, like, when to come on and what to do. And it's very memorable. Halfway through the draft, moving on to the role of Amonastro. This is Aida's father, Matt you are going to get to go first on this round. Perfect. Time to slot in my role <laughs> debut. Uh, since I'm going with two of my all-time favorites in Radames and Amnerius, I was trying to think of people who are singing today who definitely could sing Amanazro, but to the best of my searches, have not. Uh, and I didn't actually have to look very far into our archive to find friend of the show, Luthgus Meacham. Who, mm. who who I saw in uh, Queen of Spades, it, one of the last things that I saw right before the pandemic in uh, Lyric Opera Chicago back in February 2020, and he he filled that auditorium mm. with that aria. I think he could soar over the brass. I'm gonna. I think he can go the distance. We're gonna. I'm, we're gonna go with it. Okay. Lucas Meacham <laughs> now on the board as well. Weston, you're going to be next in this, the third round of the draft for Amanas. Yes. Um, I believe I might need a, uh, I've definitely got the American. I've got the uh, sort of wild card uh, role debut. I think I might need uh, uh, someone from uh, Europe. So right. I was kind of, I was kind of thinking like who has the most dad energy of, uh, of any, baritone who might possibly sing this role and unfortunately uh, uh this is no this person is no longer around um to sing it but i don't believe they ever did um and i think that this role would be interestingly interpreted by the late great dmitry vorostovsky um i feel like we don't tend to see a lot of russian uh singers in uh in in verity except for you know the big sort of international stars um, but to my knowledge, I don't think this one he ever did. And I'm not sure if it's quite in his fully in his range. But uh, I think once again, I think that this show that I'm building in my mind is very dr- drama first, perhaps ability to project over orchestra for Joyce uh, second. But I think this would be a really interesting choice to see. And I would love to I would just love to see him on stage again. 
All right. That's an unusual choice, but you are putting together an unusual team here. Yeah. Not unlike uh, the OBS fantasy football entry into the Opera Philadelphia League. Oliver Camacho (laughs) is going to wrap up round three of the draft. Amonasro. Well, there are so many great choices of artists who have sung this role. And now we're at this point of the draft where I can really finesse my own team Mm, and create create a quartet that you want to hear these people singing together, especially uh, a Amon Osro who will sound great, great next to his Aida. And so I'm going to go with an Italian singer who is sort of like the Dietrich Fischer Discau of opera, who really does so much with the text and is such a great actor. And maybe he doesn't have the biggest voice, but he is maybe one of the most scary singers when he wants to sink his teeth into something. And that will be Giuseppe Taddei. Ooh, that's a good choice. A good choice. Excellent, and nobody had taken it either. For some reason, I, I thought I thought Weston was going to say Simon Keenly side for his. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he I does have that energy. I people guess people who I was considering, no brainer, Simon Estes, but he's like a Wagnerian. And he's so loud that he will blow most Aida's off the stage. He would be too much for <laughs> right. uh, most productions. Uh, and then there's Cornell McNeil, um, who I think is, has such a gorgeous tone. And I don't know. I just think of him as like the quintessential Rigoletto. Um, but uh, yeah, his voice isn't, I don't know, how would you say? His, he doesn't sound um, mean enough. You know, his voice is beautiful. Mm. You, know? you know who would give you that is Mario Sereni. He's got mm. an awful lot of bite when, when you yeah. need it. Guys, and I think you're really making the point here, right? Is it just like in football, say, where you don't have tight ends play the quarterback position? You don't have offensive linemen as running backs. Like, this is a real specific field, a really specific art form where there's certain types that are just going to fit into certain spots, better or worse. Fourth and final round, obviously, it's going to be for the role of Aida. We're going to go back to the order that we started with. Weston, you go first. Ooh. Well, that's interesting because I thought for sure that I was going to be last and someone was going to steal my Aida. Mm, interesting. Because I, um, in terms of voice size, maybe a little bit too much for Joyce. But I think we all know, uh, I think we all know that she's great at this role. I'm going to go ahead and just take Leontine Price. 
Why not? You could do worse. I could do much, much worse. I was, I mean, she's got like every, uh, there's a great clip uh, that I found on the Mets Facebook page of her singing, uh, um, uh, oh God, Ipatria Mia. Uh, and the control, she gets so low and so, and so like specific with every moment she like every moment is felt and then of course she can open it all up and like really be just as Wagnerian as you want uh she can she has the whole range she can do it I think she would you know she's the dream Aida in my opinion all right it is written down Oliver Camacho next in the four wow there's so many great choices but Mm -hmm. with this cast with this um you know, somewhat, somewhat lighter Radames of Charles Castronovo uh, and feminine Amneris of Rita Gore. I'm going to go ahead and pick Martina Arroyo, who okay. has such a gorgeous gossamer tone and is so feminine in this role. It'll be nice to have two ladies as opposed to like a bitch fest of uh, a soprano and a, contro- <laughs> and a mezzo-soprano who just use their chest to make their point all the time. A really terrific Aida, Martina Royo was. And yeah. Matt Cummings. And she's really up. good on Stockhausen's mantra, too. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of someone who, speaking of that duet between Aida and Amneris, I'm, my pick is someone who can really deliver uh, a voice match to my beloved Shirley Verrett. And uh, that's a singer who is still singing today. And I'm going to go with Latonya Moore. For sure, you're gonna pick Sandra. I I did think about it. <laughs> well, then you would have had Shirley Rivet and Sandra Radovnovsky, and then we would have all had bingo. It would have been a it would have been a cards. collapse in the uh, space <laughs> continuum. Latonia Moore, I can certainly vouch for her. She was the Aida in the production in Pittsburgh. Oh, really? She was she was fabulous. But this does remind me, gentles, please now go through your roster and make sure that you have got an American. A European, uh-huh. somebody making their role debut, and someone uh-huh. who is currently active. Obviously, you can have two parameters on one player. You're going to want to come up with a suitably pun-filled name for your roster oh, as well. And perhaps we can reveal those. Maybe we'll just reveal those on the website or maybe at the end of the show. That might be fun, too. In the meantime, listeners, you're going to want to 
come up with perhaps your own roster. You can use some of these names as inspiration. Let us know what you're thinking, Opera Box Score at Gmail. Let us know. Pick pick your favorite team, and you can win some merch. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a coaster. This is a this is a great this is a, gr- a great really disaster. way to sell it, Oliver. It's a coaster. Look at it's. it's a, I, I wish I could model it. Like come on, my bikini and hold it's a, it up. It's a double sided coaster. Well, this is the pin. Ooh. You can see the pin. Uh, and my camera, the light is too bad. There it is. It's the it's upper box nice score pin. lapel pin. It's square, and it fits perfectly on your lapel, ladies. Or on your mic. Or on your mic stand. Main Chicago. All right. The draft is set. We will get that up onto the website, and we will see who's going to dominate the field. A lot of Aida coming up as well after a little bit more sports talk. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Got a lot of Pittsburgh on the show tonight as well, actually. Uh, Pittsburgh (laughs) Steelers managing to come from behind against the Bears on Monday Night Football. And then uh, yesterday evening, tying... The Detroit Lions. Now, a tie is not something you hear in the NFL very much, but the uh, hmm. Steelers and Lions, the winless Lions, I might add, played in the extra period, and it ended in a 16-16 tie. Wow. Very rare. Let us talk some Pittsburgh Aida Opera. This just in the two-minute drill. All right, listen up. Here's everything that you need to know about what happened in Opera Land this week. Met Opera broadcasts are back December 4th after the longest hiatus in its 90-year history. The program's 90th anniversary is marked on Christmas Day with archival performances of Verdi's Aida, which itself premiered Christmas Eve 150 years ago. In further Aida news, a feature in New York Magazine interviews Peter Gelb confirming that there is a planned new production of Aida featuring none other than Angel Blue. Oh, could have had her. The Metropolitan Opera says it will roll out Richard Jones's new ring starting in 2025 and will present full cycles in the 2026-27 season. The crazy thing about opera is how far ahead we have to plan, said Peter Gelb. I'm a big fan of Richard Jones. He's a director who is very attuned to the narrative of the operas he is doing. This time, the focus will be on intimate internal storytelling. Anthony Tomasini has announced that he will step down from his role as chief music critic for the New York Times. He joined the newspaper as a staff writer in 1996. Going to retire his jersey at the old gray lady. Denise Graves, Quinn Kelsey, Elza Vandenhever have been named the recipients of the 17th Annual Opera News Awards. A gala to celebrate the honorees will feature performances by Janae Bridges, Peter Pachawa, Nina Stemma, and Christian Van Horn. After a performance of André Gretry's Richard the Lionhearted, Opera Atelier's co-artistic directors Marshall Pankowski and Jeanette Lajeunesse-Zing were presented with investitures of officers of the Order of Arts and Letters of France on the stage of the Royal Opera of Versailles. Félicitations, c'est une major award. <laughs> French tenor Cyril Dubois cancelled his performance at the Staatsoper Unter den Linden last week. Dubois said on Facebook, given the implement Given the implementation of a disproportionate testing policy at the Berlin Staatsoper, two PCR tests for three days in addition to the full vaccination requirement, I regret to cancel my participation at a concert in Berlin. 
I was delighted to make my debut, but we cannot continue to support unilateral measures by certain houses which go beyond the general framework prescribed by scientific authorities. Is Surreal French for Karen? <laughs> Pittsburgh real estate developer Francois Bitz has given $5 million to his local opera company. It's the biggest financial gift received by Pittsburgh Opera in eight decades. The company's headquarters will be named the Bitz Opera Factory in his honor. I guess he must have been pretty successful in Bitsness. I mean, they could have called it the Bitsburg Opera. <laughs> On the disabled list, after last Friday's performance of Nabucco at the Vienna State Opera, it was announced that Placido Domingo was suffering from a sore throat and requested the audience's understanding. I think we all know what that phrase means. After intermission, Intendant Bogdan Rosic announced that Domingo's condition had deteriorated and he would be replaced by the Mongolian baritone Enkbat Armatuvshin. Exit stage right. Polish soprano Aga Mikolai has died at age 51 due to complications from COVID-19. Mikolai was a member of the Ensemble of the Bayerische Staatsoper and also performed on international stages including Teatro alla Scala, the Vienna State Opera, Opera Nacional de Paris, and many others. She was primarily known for her performances of Mozart heroines. American bass baritone Jake Gardner has died at age 73. Gardner started his career as a principal baritone at Oper Köln and went on to perform a wide variety of operatic and musical repertoire, including at Semper Opera Dresden, Kleinborn Festival, the Lyric Opera of Chicago, New York City Opera, and more. Soprano Joan Carlyle has died at age 90. Carlyle was one of the leading English sopranos of the post-war era, performing frequently at Covent Garden in roles including Medea, Neda, Desdemona, Titania, and Pamina. And on this day, November 15th, in 1672, it was the first performance of Jean-Baptiste Lully's opera ballet, Les Fêtes de l'Amour et du Bacchus, in Paris. Composer Antonio Draghi had three first performances on this day. In 1681, L'Albero del Ramo d'Oro. In 1685, Il Risarcimento della Ruota della Fortuna. And in 1686, La Grotto di Vulcano. Go Draghi, it's your day. In 1851, Giovanni Pacini's Zaffira premiered. In 1874, Austrian soprano Selma Kurz was born. In 1886, Italian mezzo-soprano Elvira Casazza was born. In 1903 was the first performance of Eugène d'Albert's opera Tiefland. In 1918, Rosa Poncel made her operatic debut in the US premiere of La Forza del Destino. In 1974, William Grant Still's opera Bayou Legend premiered at Opera South in Mississippi. And in 1989, Leonard Bernstein was awarded a National Medal of the Arts from President George Bush, which the conductor refused in protest against revoked funding for an exhibit on AIDS. And that is your two-minute drill.
you just heard a clip of Rosa Poncel singing the aria Pace, Pace Mio Dio, from La Forza del Destino. Poncel, she was a vaudevillian before she turned to opera. She sang in a trio with her two sisters, and I think they were called the Tailored Italian Ladies <laughs> before she was that. discovered so as lots, an opera singer. Uh, lots of news from the Met. We have uh, basically publicity that December 4th starts the return of the Met radio season with the new announcer Deborah Lou Harder I forget her mm-hmm. name um, and they're opening with uh, Matthew O'Coin's Eurydice which is a move I mean they also started their season with uh, Fire Set Up In My Bones so this is their signaling to us we're trying we're trying you know that and, that comes through an awful lot in that new york magazine intelligencer piece about peter gelb too it's all about you know the trials and travails of being the general manager of the metropolitan opera and all the different him. hats you have to wear <laughs> and how challenging it is that all the musicians hate him that's actually in the piece i'm not i'm <laughs> i'm not projecting um but uh some big news that came out in that is that he 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 knows who his future stars are. Angel Blue is one of them. I definitely agree with that. Uh, Ryan Speedo Green is another name he drops Love as someone him. who he really wants to invest in for the future of the company. And that, you know, at least we can find common ground, Peter. In the NFL, you're always looking for what you call that franchise quarterback. You're looking for that Ben Roethlisberger if you're a Pittsburgh Steeler. You're looking for, well, we don't have one in Chicago. But you're looking <laughs> that, for that you're looking for that person who is going to put the team on their back for a decade, and that's exactly what Gelb is talking about here, is trying to find those artists. He mentioned singers. They could be directors. They could be designers who are really going to carry that company for years to come. Is Richard Jones one of those directors, the new ring cycle starting in 2025, if we're all still alive, and then full cycles in 26, 27? Yeah, I feel like we talked about this when this was announced. I'm not sure this is news news. But um, the Lepage ring, I forget how much it cost, but that was the famous one with, lot. with the machine. It was Yeah, they had to reinforce that, the stage because of the weight. And that's the one that like people were having accidents on and slipping off of it. And like people were just scared of it. And it was My just... favorite story is the one where the projections broke and the Windows logo was projected across the screen. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody was like, oh my gosh, that is just yeah. such an intense image. It's brilliant. But I mean, they spent so much money to create this machine, this thing that transformed like a transformer and you know created all these different uh set designs with one unit set uh but ultimately they're getting rid of it after i don't know how many runs of it two three runs of it not as many as it seemed like they were planning for when they were making that initial there's some buyer's remorse on that production well there's also like you know the considerations of when you're whenever you're like putting together a really big budget production like that uh, where you're really showcasing the technology, the technology begins to look old and faded pretty quickly. Yeah. And I think that that's something that I remember specifically because I watched the live and HDs of those. And you could already see like little little points here and there with like the interactive projections not being fully in sync, thinking that, yeah, you could probably do that better in like two years, you mm-hmm. know? And then, of course, the fact that it kept breaking and caused everyone such a headache um, that I, I think it makes sense for them to retire it. Uh, so I hope Richard Jones does a good job because well, I feel like his previous I cycles I don't know. Have, I know they have been don't slightly have, worse <laughs> reviewed. I know they don't have alleys in New York City, but uh, I'll tell all the uh, 
scrap metal collectors here in Chicago to go drive drive by Lincoln Center <laughs> soon and just keep circling until you see something end up until you see street. some pylons set for life. Uh, all that technology is definitely not Richard Jones style. Here's the thing about Richard Jones is every director at some point in their career secretly is like, man, I wish I had thought of that thing that Richard Jones just thought of. The guy is an absolute genius. Is some of his work like heavy-handed? Yes, it is. And does it feel dated? Sometimes it does. Not because of the technology, because of the ideas. Cannot is there something that we would all all recognize of Richard Jones? The uh, uh, Hansel and Gretel, probably. I was going to say that Hansel and Gretel that, that made the rounds. I think it passed through Chicago like five or yeah. six or seven yeah. years beautiful. ago. beautiful. I love that's, it. That's the Richard Jones production. You'd remember. One, and one little, one little chestnut of ring casting that did get dropped in this or reiterated in this piece is that uh, Zieglinda for the next Matt Ring Cycle is going to be played by Lisa Davidson, which Ooh. will be fantastic. Yeah, it will be. I love Lisa Davidson. Oh. Thomas. So Anthony Thomasini, finally, it's over. Womp womp. The end of an era. Yeah. yeah. Womp womp. Is this oh. what it was? But this, no, seriously, this must have been like like when Ben Brantley or or Frank Rich when they Frank stepped Rich, down yeah. from, the, from the theater. Yeah. Brantley's still writing, but when Frank Rich stepped away from theater, I mean, it is the end of an era. And it's also, you know, uh, the the world of we've we've talked about this before, but the world of classical music criticism or music criticism in journalism in general has changed so fundamentally since 1996 um, that uh, you know this this kind of tenure. Every time someone retires like this, it's the end of their particular era. Like it will not be the same again. Um, so I'll be interested to see interested to see not just who fills his shoes, but in what way those shoes will be filled. Um, and maybe we can get uh, we can sneak one of us onto the uh, New York Times staff and uh, take it over from the inside. So basically, is Cyril Dubois joining the same camp as Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> no, because it sounds like he's vaccinated. He just didn't want to get tested extra times on top of being vaccinated. I guess like he must have been vaccinated because from, from the there's rules. no from the post that is not what he's objecting to. And yeah. the art the there's an article on Opera Wire that talks about it a little bit more in detail about how yeah. um it you know ha- putting those swabs up your nose is at risk for irritation of the nasopharynx, and then singing would only make that more oh, difficult. Come and I'm on, like, dude. I'm sorry, cry have me you, a river. Who wrote this up uncritically? Like, who has have none of you taken a COVID test in the last year and a half? Or tried to sing at all. Like, there's absolutely no way that this impacts the voice. We are grasping at straws. Yes, Cyril. It sucks. No one likes it. But get over it. Do it. Or (laughs) don't do it and cancel your concert and see if anyone cares. Yeah. Five million dollars in... Buys you a lot in Pittsburgh real estate world. Well, that was the biggest financial gift in eight decades. But does that count for inflation? That's what I want to know. It's transitory. You can buy one uh, plank of the uh, Robert Lepage ring cycle. <laughs> you, can rein- you can reinforce one square yard of this, the stage this, for the this machine. This gift was, uh, was given in Bitcoin. Okay, so look, like the Bits Opera In Factory. Bitcoin. In Bitcoin. Okay. Bitcoin. Yes, you thank get, you. You thank do you. not get two of those. You need to... You now need to go away. Okay, so I get the name, the Bits Opera Factory, right? So like the Pittsburgh Opera headquarters, it's in the old Westinghouse uh, The Airbrake Factory. Airbrake Factory. So like yeah. I get that. But the idea of like producing opera as if it's in a factory, uh, 
That kind of gives me the willies. I don't know. They should I mean, really, really put they... the air brake on that concept. They should come up with some kind of a one to deal with spaghetti warehouse down the street. I thought you were show meals. <laughs> that that literally is in the strip district in Pittsburgh. I doubt it's still there, but it but there was a restaurant over there. Welcome to the Pittsburgh years. show starring Welcome Matt to Cummings. Pittsburgh restaurant <laughs> I corner. Thought you, I thought you were going to say the Cheesecake Factory. No, that's on the south side. Come on, George. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> I know we talk every every year we talk about this, but the Opera News Awards are so arbitrary. And like, I'm not I'm never mad that they're giving people these awards, but just like who and when people are honored in their careers is really, I mean, Quinn Kelsey, for all intents and purposes, is just getting started into like the prime right. of his career, right. but he's sure. already being recognized by the opera news, you know? Yeah. It's like two up and comers and one, and even the elder stateswoman, Denise yeah. Graves, like her career wasn't that long ago. It, yeah. It's even yeah. still going at, at this point, but I feel like normally there are more nominees too, like five or six. Yeah. Maybe it's pandemic no, inflation there's oh you mean there's more awardees so they don't yes. there's no it's not a contest not it's nominees just, yeah you're yeah, right yeah, awardees yeah yeah awardees yeah bits bitsies don't encourage him <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty good bits oh god we're gonna have to wrap this show up right away before anything else dreadful happens good call bad call on opera box score good call bad call the way we're gonna take you home we will go reverse order here starting with the silent but deadly weston williams and perhaps you should keep it that way so that no more of those dreadful puns are uh played out matt cummings i'm in a little bit of like a recording corner moment right now but i just have to say that i am incredibly hype for a new recording of Il Pirata, the bellini opera that's supposed to come out at the oh, end of yeah, this week yeah, yeah. with uh marina rebecca and Javier Camarena, who can both sing this music like crazy. Just hmm. absolute gangbusters. Oliver Camacho. So Juilliard has this early music program called Juilliard 415. And heretofore, it has been only uh, for the instrumentalists. There's not really a singing component of it. Uh, but they did collaborate this year with the uh, opera school and they presented um, Luigi Rossi's Orfeo. And it was reviewed in the Times, in the New York Times. And it starred uh, a personal colleague of mine named Richard Pitzinger, who I think is probably still an undergrad, a fantastic young tenor. He's, I'm not even kidding, he's like 20 years old. He is so good. And uh, he gets his due in this review. So kudos to him and to Juilliard for giving people some Seicento opera. <laughs> Did was that Tomasini? Did he write the review? Uh, that was by Tomasini. Okay. There it is. There it's we a go. true valediction. Still, still cranking it out. <laughs> Speaking of writing, of course, on last week's show, we answered a question from the London Guardian about why opera singers aren't deafened. And you should go back to the thread. We'll have the link still on our website, operaboxword.com. You can read some people's responses. Let me say that none of them said the response that I did. All different. Cover things. cover their ears <laughs> with your hands. <laughs> Sometimes the simplest solutions are yeah. the best. Simple is good. That is it for this week's edition of America's Talk radio show about opera. Our announcer's Norm Waddell. He's at normwaddell.com. On Facebook, search for Opera Box Score. On Twitter and Instagram, we're at 
Opera Box Score. And yes, we posted this week. Help us deepen that bench of listeners liking and sharing those social media posts. Email us your hot takes at operaboxscore@gmail.com. You drop us a line, you get an OBS reversible beer coaster and a unreversible OBS lapel pen just for sharing your hot takes. Subscribe <laughs> to the podcast, Stitcher, favorite the show on Apple Podcasts. Our creative consultant is Oliver Camacho. Our audio and video editor is Weston Williams. For your co-host, Matt Cummings, I'm George Cedarquist, asking you to continue the conversation about opera as you forget the world in blissful ecstasy in the virgin forests of Ethiopia. Mm. We're back with an all-new show next week when we celebrate feasts in opera. Yes, feasts. Plus, you get more opera headlines, more hot takes, and more fantasy. Join us.